Blog Talk Radio. for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. You know, this is the month of love. It's February, and staying in tune with that, we are going to be talking tonight about loving yourself unconditionally. That's the key to healing yourself, finding peace, fulfilling your life's purpose, and realizing your full potential on both a personal and professional level. Whether you find that difficult to believe or you are seeking answers as to why you're here, I invite you to stay tuned to find out how you can take your life, your power, and your destiny back into your own hands so you can live your life to the fullest. And here's the fun part, without regret. That's really important. So stay tuned. This is T-Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. 
Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and you can start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is Blake Bauer, an internationally recognized author, counselor, and alternative medicine practitioner. Based on his training with spiritual teachers, healers, and masters from all over the world, Blake practices and teaches various forms of meditation, Qigong, Qigong, energy medicine, and Dao Yin, which is a health and longevity style of yoga. Blake's formal education also includes traditional Chinese medicine, five-element Chinese medicine, nutritional medicine, herbal healing, psychology, past life regression therapy hypnosis, and various other forms of traditional healing and alternative medicines. He's very well-rounded. He has, he's the complete package. Bringing together the most effective spiritual practices and holistic approaches to health and well-being, his work and his teachings have successfully guided thousands of people internationally toward greater psychological, emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual freedom. And Blake is joining us to discuss his best-selling book, You Are Not Born to Suffer, Love Yourself Back to Inner Peace, Health, Happiness, and Fulfillment. So join me, please. Welcome to the show, Blake. Thank you for joining us. How are you being? Hi, T. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I feel fantastic. I love that song that you play on the intro what a what a fantastic song um i've never heard thank that you before. for noticing <laughs> yeah yeah it's absolutely beautiful yeah i i love it. it it's it kind of sets the tone for you know you have to give thanks you know there's always there's always reason for thank you and gratitude so it's important to me so i like to kind of set the tone of the show with that to start with you know your book is ah, it's fabulous because so many of the things in there I mean, when when I opened it up to read it, and then all I did was start to read from the very first pages, the welcome, which isn't even really, you know, getting into it. It's the welcome. And it says, at what point do we finally declare that we have suffered enough? And I actually started to laugh because, really, at what point do you declare that and decide to move past all the issues that you're blaming others for and that are coming up in your life and just move forward to live your true authentic self? So I thought that was a great way to start the book and a great way to start the show. How was it that you actually came to write this book? What was the journey, I guess, that brought you to this point? Hmm. Well, the, um, the book came out at the end of 2012 and it's had quite a um, journey itself even since then. But, but leading up to that time, um, you know, it really, it really just goes back to my, you know, childhood, like, you know, all of us on the healing and spiritual path, um, which was, you know, painful and dramatic, as a lot of ours were, and quite toxic. And um, I grew up around a lot of addiction and drama and just a lot of dysfunction. Um, and then when I was uh, a teenager, I got heavily into drugs and alcohol and began, you know, socially just wanting to, to fit in and be accepted with drinking and smoking pot or marijuana but then it progressed, uh, you know, further and further and more extreme for me personally because my home life was very hard for me. And psychologically and emotionally, I, didn't, I actually didn't know this then, but I was in a lot of pain and I had repressed a lot of sadness and guilt and shame and insecurity. And I had never learned how to talk about it or felt safe to talk about it or learned to ask for help. And so I, you know, I, I found a lot of relief through drinking and through getting high and spending time with other people who did the same things. And um, then by the time I was 18 years old, I had been arrested quite a few times. I had been suspended from my high school quite a few times. I also played football, American football. Um, I was a captain of my varsity team and um, had interest uh, to play in college. Um, but I got a DUI uh, just before the senior season, that, that last uh, important season. And my coach ended up finding out three games into the season after it had already started and I had um, in the middle of the night been coming home from an evening of partying and uh, got to the, a train in the middle of the night a freight train and there was a stop sign I put my 
car in park at the stop sign on the road and put my head back and I fell asleep and I woke up to police knocking on the window and was arrested and, and charged with a DUI and had drugs in the car and alcohol and, 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 you know, pot and pills and, you know, different types of drugs. And then, um, you know, a few months later when my coach found out and the season had already started, I was kicked off the team and that was a huge part of my identity and my ego at the time, you know, who I thought I was. And I also had a girlfriend at the time who I actually loved very deeply, was very much in love with her, but I was so self-destructive that I hurt her and broke her heart as well and pushed her away. So basically the two major aspects of my life that as a young man I had created as my future, my salvation, you know, my friendships and my girlfriend and athletics, I completely sabotaged. So the things that, you know, I I derived my sense of self from, some self-esteem, some self-worth, you know, which was an unstable form of self-worth and and more of an ego-based self-worth crumbled. And so I went from being very uh, arrogant and thinking I was invincible to being extremely insecure and lost and confused. And I was very tortured in my heart and in my mind. And so to cut a long story short, at the age of 18, I found myself very isolated, uh, waking up very anxious and restless and, 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 and not knowing what to do with myself or where to go and just wanting to run away from myself and just feeling so uncomfortable inside of my being and not at home at all in myself. And all I wanted really was to, to feel at home and what that symbolically or metaphorically means to us, you know, that warmth, that acceptance, that, that peace where everything's okay. And I did not feel that everything was okay. And then at 18, as a, as a male, as uh, you know, with my pressures from society, pressures from my mother, my stepfather, you know, the pressures I had just taken on in myself, you know, with my own identity, I felt such a pressure to figure out what to do with my life. And so here I am at 18, suffering miserably inside of my mind and my heart, isolating myself from my peers and feeling very alone and misunderstood with my family, but yet feeling this pressure. And out of that, that pressure cooker came two questions. And, and the two questions were, uh, how do I heal myself? So how do I free myself from this suffering in my heart, in my mind, in my body? And what is the purpose of my life? Why did I come here? You know, is this really just about making money and surviving? You know, is that really what I'm supposed to go after? And those two questions basically led me to five different universities where I studied various forms of healing and psychology and, and natural medicine. Um, and I also had the honor of studying with a number of spiritual teachers and masters from all over the world in various modalities. Um, and then eventually I, I reached this point where I had this um, breakthrough in myself where I realized that everything that I'd studied in going to these uh, very reputable institutions and very you know, well-respected people, everything that I had been doing in this whole healing and, and spiritual journey was basically two things, which was really the same thing, which is I was looking for love because love is what heals, love is what fulfills, love is what, you know, makes life meaningful and worth living. And I was learning the whole time how to love myself and how to do it in a very practical, down-to-earth way. And it, you know, it appeared to be one thing, but underneath it, this is all I was doing. And, and, and what I didn't know, and it took me a while to figure out, was that I actually was the love that I was seeking, and I had been the love that I was seeking the whole time, but because I had never learned how to love myself and I had such an unhealthy and destructive relationship to myself, like all of us, the source of love and peace and happiness inside of me had become, become covered up by pain and by uncomfortable emotions that a lot of us don't like to talk about that we term negative or bad or painful. And I realized that through learning to love myself, I had healed that pain and unlocked the source of what I had been looking for externally. And once I became really clear about this process and and the steps I had taken to get there, and I really could see the forest from the trees, like I had this insight where I could just see it all so clearly, I felt the need to share it with as many people as I could because I knew how desperately I had searched inside of myself and suffered so deeply with these processes. And I knew that every other human being, regardless of whether you're a Christian, a Jew, a Buddhist, an agnostic, an atheist, 
you know, a scientist. It didn't matter what you really believed. That deep down underneath, this is actually what was happening. And so I just felt I had to find a way and, and a language and the words to reach as many people as I could with this message. And um, since that time, it's helped, uh, you know, tens and tens of thousands of people. And it's on its way to helping, you know, what I envisage to be millions of people because it's a very simple, fundamental truth in a, in a time where we have so much information, it's hard to cut through and know what's of real value. And I have to say that you, you share it well because this book is written so well and it is very simple to read and it is very easy to understand. And, you know, there are so many people that are living a life of suffering, though I don't know that they realize that that is what is going on. Some people just feel like, well, life is hard. I didn't, you know, I wasn't born under a lucky star. Um, I'm not special. So, you know, why would anything good happen to me? And they, they live like that. That's what I see and hear when I speak with clients, but they don't use the word suffering. And when I ask them, do you understand that you're suffering? Why do you want to suffer? You almost see the light bulb go on and they say, yeah, I am suffering. Why am I suffering? And, you know, it's very, it's very clear. So I have not found a book that actually speaks to that word. And when your book came across, you were not born to suffer. I thought, see, that's key because people don't realize that they are suffering. And when they see that title, that grabs them because then they look at it and, and read the, the, the subtitle, Love Yourself Back to Inner Peace, Health, Happiness, and Fulfillment. And they get that, okay, maybe it is suffering on some level, but they don't choose to use that word right out there because I think they, they might feel it's um, – ugh you know, it's almost like making them a victim and they don't want to be a victim. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. And, um, ironically, the title came from that same scenario. I would be sitting with my clients and I would say, we didn't come here to suffer. You know, that's exactly (laughs) how it came out. And then eventually it became the title of the book because, you know, I realized that in my heart, this whole process that had been driving me was that I knew in my heart that life wasn't meant to be so painful and there had to be a path out of it. Um, and it is it can be very challenging to find in the physical, you know, real practical world to, to make a living and have healthy relationships and take care of your body and have enough time in the day to attend to everything. Because normally by the time we've woken up, we've already created so much karma and we've created this entire life that's typically not based on who we really are, but who we became to survive and to please everybody. And so it can be extremely challenging to, to untie all the knots that we've created or, the, or break free from the web, you know, that we created. So, um, you know, you can understand. I can, I'm sure, you know, you would agree to, you know, you know how, why it can be so daunting to, to think, oh, if I open up that can of worms, you know, I can't handle the implications of that. So I'll just keep the lid closed and keep shoving yep. everything under the carpet. But then you get sick. And you think, why am I? Why do I have cancer all of a sudden? How? Where did this autoimmune condition come from? Why am I clinically depressed? Why don't I want to get out of bed in the morning? You know, and this is why. And there's more of that today than there ever has been before, and it's because of the fact, I think, that you know we are taught this from the time we're young. You have to do this, 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 and this. Nobody's really. We come in free little spirits, knowing what we're supposed to do, and then people get a hold of you, (laughs) teachers and mentors and parents and siblings, and and they mess with your mind. And now they're bringing you up to be the person that you need to be and molding you, but not allowing you to be the free spirit you are. And when you see people who are free spirits, many times, uh, you know, people judge them and and criticize them and and say that, well, you know, they're irresponsible. They're not irresponsible. They're just putting out feelers to see what they want to do. They're probably very responsible people. They're just living their life in a way that brings them joy and can give joy to others. And I look at that and I think, now there's people who are not suffering. And it's not because they don't care about the other person. That's not it at all. They do. They're compassionate. They're just going about their own business, doing what feels right to them. And I find that when you're doing things that feel right to you and you're going and everything is going in flow and going along well and nicely, you're doing the right thing. That, that's, I yes. firmly believe that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree <laughs> with you. Totally. Yep. And, you know, um, and I know that in, in the work that I do in the work, there are a lot of people, and I see it mostly in women because guys don't like to admit to it, that 
they don't believe in self-love. They feel that it's either narcissistic or selfish, and they've been brought up to believe that it's really wrong to give to yourself because that's being self-absorbed or self-centered or conceited, whatever it is, and it makes them think others, you know, look at them as the type of person who believes the world revolves around them, it's all about me, that type of that entitlement attitude, and they don't want people to to see that or to, to think that way about them. And I don't, I see it a whole lot differently. I think that people feel this way because they don't understand the true meaning of self-love. And so they either don't subscribe to it or they roll their eyes at the mere suggestion of it. When I say, you know, you really need to take care of yourself. It's all about taking care of you. It's not being selfish. The moment I say it's not being selfish, people look at me and they'll say, well, of course it is. Because if I put myself first, then what? And I always equate it to the oxygen mask theory. You know, you take care of yourself first, so you can give yourself to others because if you don't, you can't perform, you can't provide, and you can't love. You just, you begin to resent and you become jealous and compare and judge. And I don't know, that's kind of my take on the whole self-love thing. How do you, how do you explain the self-love thing? Well, I think um, if we go back to the, the topic of selfishness, I think a lot of us just don't understand selfishness completely, and we're not honest with ourselves in general, so we're in denial, actually, about our selfishness. In fact, I, I, my view is that everybody is selfish. So the person you're talking about, you know, or people, for example, that come to you and say, you know, I don't want people to think something of me, well, that's mm-hmm. actually selfish, that's actually a selfish motive that you want to you want to control or you want people to think of you a certain way and that's actually selfish too so if you're coming from fear and you're afraid of saying what you really feel or doing what you really want to do and what you're doing is you're protecting yourself you're you're selfishly protecting yourself and often it's self-destructive and you don't realize it again until you get depressed or you get sick and the, the the example I used, T, which I think you'll love, and I didn't use this in the book, but I'm releasing a new edition of that book in 2017, which is going to have a chapter on this. Um, if, think about, T, your parents, you know, and think about why they had you. You know, when I think about my parents, I think about why didn't my parents have me? Like, what were the motives for the for my life, the conception and birth of my life? And, and if, I don't know if you have children, T, but, you know, if there's any parents listening, it's a good thing to ask yourself, honestly, why did I have children? This is a very confronting question. Why did I have children? Why did my parents have me have children? And when you dissect it, what you will find is that every single reason that anybody has a child is selfish. And those reasons are, you know, I want to have a family. I want to do better than my parents did. I want to give my kids what I didn't have. I want to create something as an expression of my love our love. I don't know what else to do. A lot of people get to a point and it's like, they just don't know what else to do. So they think they have to have children Mm -hmm. or everybody else is doing it. So I should just do it. And more than half the time it's an accident. And this is an unspoken truth. More than half the time Mm -hmm. it comes unexpectedly. And then the child is often kept because of those reasons I was just saying, we kind of convince ourselves, you know, that this is the right thing or, if you have a moral or religious dilemma about it, like is it a sin to have an abortion, if you don't do that, if you don't have an abortion out of, you know, because you because out of guilt or fear, that's still selfish too. You're protecting yourself. If you choose to have it because you think it's an opportunity to change your life or, you know, it's meant to be, whatever it is, that's a selfish choice. And it came from your selfish desire to have sex or pleasure or be loved or feel beautiful or feel attractive or just have fun. Again, selfish. And I use this as the example because the, arc, the, the, the martyr parent, and typically it's a mother, but it's true for men too, the martyr mother or father who sacrifices you know, everything to build a family or take care of a family, the truth is, is that you selfishly got yourself in that boat. And most people don't want to admit this you know, because it's a hard pill to swallow. And I use that because – you know, I often will, you know, when I'm speaking, I'll say, do you, you know, before I kind of tell people that or go into that, you know, explaining that, I'll say, you know, how many people in the room think they're selfish and how many in the room, people in the room think they're selfless, you know, and then I go into this example and, um, you know, it's a very, very powerful thing to realize is that we're all selfish, but, but the distinction and what has given self-love 
and thus the term selfishness a bad rap, is that there's two kinds of selfishness. There's healthy selfishness, which most of us don't know about, and there's unhealthy selfishness, which most of us know about, which is what has given self-love a bad name. And unhealthy selfishness is when you're not true to yourself, you don't take care of your body, you don't express your emotions, you don't do the things that make you feel healthy and happy and alive. And the result of that is you get depressed, you become toxic, you become physically ill, you become resentful, angry, unhappy, you know, you don't really want to get out of bed, you're not happy to be alive, you're not grateful like the song we were listening to. Because for me, one of the keys to being grateful is knowing that I'm being true to myself in every situation. And then I create miraculous experiences that put me in awe and amazement. And then I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful to be alive because of this. And, and I had mm-hmm. that moment when I was listening to you play that song, you know, as we came on the air. And, yep. um, and so that's the key is that most of us are selfish, but in a self-destructive way. And we think we're being selfless, but we're not. We're just protecting ourselves selfishly out of fear. And we're scared to admit that. And we're, we're often really not aware of it. So, you know, like going back to, you know, everything you were saying before, you know, if our cup is not full and we don't love ourselves on a daily basis, then we don't really have anything to give. And what we do give is going to end with strings attached or resentment Mm -hmm. or expecting something in return. And that's not pure unconditional love, which is why us as human beings have such a painful relationship to love because we're so familiar with conditional love from other people and conditional love for ourselves that all of this love that we try to experience or find is quite toxic because we're toxic and we don't, you know, we've never learned how to love ourselves and then we're convinced that it's, it's selfish. But I would say it's really selfish to be miserable and, you know, an energy sucker and, you know, to be toxic. That's, that's, that's very selfish too. And that doesn't make your relationships better. It doesn't make your family life better. It doesn't, you know, when you're driving on the street and, and you're, you're honking or you're angry or at the grocery store and you're not nice, that doesn't make the world a better place. You know, when you mm-hmm. think negative thoughts about other people, right? It doesn't make that, that doesn't mean you're selfless just because you're not going to a gym class or a yoga class or going to eat the food that you want or to catch up with a friend that you'd like to, or, you know, taking the trip you've always wanted to take, you know, um, we deprive ourselves so much, you know, as we started, we, we, we don't know how to give ourselves permission to be happy. And that's at the end of the day, T, as I'm sure you learned too, you know, I'm the only one who can give myself permission to be happy. Nobody else is going to mm-hmm. do it. And if I wait for someone to make me happy, well, we all know what, what, that, what that leads to, you know. Mm-hmm. So you'll be waiting a long time. Yeah, that's true. And we should be teaching this early on because something gets messed up. Somewhere it all starts and it goes the other way. And to me, it's a negative, a very negative way to, to, to go through life. You know, we all, we all end up trying to figure it out. We all end up reading self-help books and going within and learning and finally figuring it out and saying, oh, now I get it. Well, and, and you know, 30 years have gone by and you think, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> it would be so much better to be able to just structure it so that children in schools or wherever can learn that this, it's okay to do these things, you know. Uh, yeah. But but it's you know you you tell your kids it's it's selfish to you know want to keep that favorite toy and not share it i don't think that's selfish you know everybody should have one toy they shouldn't have to share you know it should be something if you really like it that much and you don't want anybody else to to have it that's okay and it's cool with me you know um but i think that sometimes it's it's really hard to cuz little people i think we sh- we can learn a lot from them from children they come in with a I whole agree. bunch of knowledge. Yeah. We watch them. We're going to have a better idea of how we need to act because they're just sitting there in the present almost all the time. They're constantly in the present moment. They're not worried about anything else, you know, and it's not because they don't care and they don't have responsibilities. It's because that's the way we should be. That's our authentic self until, until it gets messed up yes. by going out in society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes. even in your book, Absolutely. you state that self-love is the key to world peace. And I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yes. Because, you know, if we, if we judge ourselves, then that's how we treat other people. We judge other people. If we criticize ourselves, then we're going to criticize other people. If we, 
if we are, you know, have shame and guilt and haven't forgiven ourselves for choices we've made that have caused ourselves or other people pain, then we're just going to, you know, judge other people and, and hold on to anger and not be able to forgive other people, which in the end just makes us sick and makes us miserable and doesn't contribute, you know, to anything positive. So it was really liberating for me personally to learn that my relationship to myself determined my relationship to everything in the outer world and to how I perceived the outer world. So not only did I relate to other people in the same way I related to myself, but I perceived them in the same way I perceived myself. So I would project, you know, my insecurities onto them. I would project my inadequacies onto them. I would project the lack of trust in myself onto them and not be able to trust them or life or God or the universe. And I think it's a really important thing to, to understand is that, you know, through loving other people, you do learn to love yourself, but typically that's a painful route and it's unavoidable. So we all have to go down that path. Key is, is that there are, there are very effective tools that are out there to teach you how to love yourself so you can stop creating pain, you know, and stop seeking approval and support and, you know, acceptance outside of yourself, trying to please everybody all the time to get it instead of learning how to give it to yourself. And it is, you know, it is the key, key to everything. And again, it does, you know, to, this is another chapter I'm adding to the book um, when I re-release it is that when we're kids, we all learn to feel guilty for existing to some degree. And we all learn to feel guilty for having feelings. And then as adults, mm -hmm. we feel guilty and ashamed of what we feel. And then we make ourselves wrong. And we think that that's healthy, but that's not healthy. And it's not selfish to say, you know what, this is what I feel. Like, it's just the truth. You, you know, and if you continue to make yourself wrong, for, you know, your whole life, then you're just going to get sadder and sicker and sadder and sicker. And your relationships and your job and everything's going to mirror that back to you. And it's like that's where the feeling of life being a burden comes from because we actually feel that we're a burden because subconsciously, and we we're talking about, you know, your shows about, you know, these energy dynamics. When we're kids, because our parents are selfish people, all of them, they are very selfish and there's nothing wrong with that. Even if they were generous, and they were happy and healthy, well, then they learned how to be selfish in a healthy way, but most of our parents did not. A lot of our parents who are selfish, who, you know, having children took them away from their own, you know, selfish drives and goals and needs and, and desires, felt subconsciously that their children were a burden, but would never say it because they would feel like such a bad person. But it's just the way it is, and it's been happening for generations. And then we learn to feel we learn to feel that we're a burden and we make ourselves and our emotions a burden and we make them wrong. And there's like it's sinful. It's you know, I'm a bad person for feeling this way. I'm a bad person for wanting to be healthy and happy. You know, like what a twisted belief. Like you're not a bad mm -hmm. person to want to have a have a healthy love life, an intimate relationship or a, a relationship with a, a partner or spouse that is healthy and enjoyable. You're not a bad person or greedy because you want to have a job that, you know, you feel alive and it's meaningful to you and it's purposeful. You're not, you know, for the people listening, you are not a bad person. You just were trained to, you know, to think that it was wrong to honor what was true for you because your parents were trained the same way. So it's not like they're bad people either, but for generations as human beings, especially as the world developed, we've trained ourselves more and more to make ourselves wrong. And it's happened in the last, I'd say, you know, the last few thousand years, it's just gotten worse. You know, the more mm -hmm. developed we became, the more civilized we became, the more we cut off from our organic, natural, true nature. You know, and then there's no space. It's like there's no space for your feelings. There's no space for you to be yourself here. You know, it's not okay. You either, right. you know, abide by the rules and conform or we fire you or we divorce you, you know. Right. Or abandon yeah. you or disown you. That's the whole dysfunctional family thing that's happening. You know, everybody's, exactly. you know, if you're not going to go with the whole family, um, what the family is saying and touting, then forget it. We want nothing to do with you. And you have to be pretty strong to stand up to that and say, well, that's okay. I don't really care what anybody thinks of me. That's a difficult thing to do, but it can be done. I know that from personal experience. So I know that it can be done. You know, one 
thing that it's very important. Everything that you've been saying is in the book, by the way. Everything that you're talking about is so easy to understand in the book. And the best part is that at the end of the chapters, you have these heal yourself now questions, which I just loved because I'm reading through them. And these are questions I will ask people when, you know, in, in conference with them. And some of them are very eye-opening because they don't think about these things. And some of them I'll say, well, here's some homework. One of the questions that you asked was, you know, what do you love most in life and about life? What do you, what do you love to do? What are the things you love to do? What do you love to see? What do you love to feel? What do you love to be in situations, that type of thing. And given that homework assignment, some people do it and some people don't, but it's really interesting because nobody thinks about that. They don't think about right. what they really love. They just plod through life. Everything becomes rote, and they're going to their job, and then they come home, and they bring the problems of work home with them, and then they bring the problems of personal life to work. And it's just a, uh, it just each one perpetuates the other and makes each miserable. And now you're not happy at all. The spouse isn't happy. The boss isn't happy. The children are not happy. This is not a good way to be, <laughs> you know. Right. So. Your questions are so uh, eye-opening. If if you if anyone reads the book and goes through these questions and really, I don't care if it takes three days to think about one question, it's worth digging that deep because what I see is coming out the other side will be so good, you know. So the fact that you have these questions for people to answer, uh, that alone right there is is such yes. a huge value. How did you come up with those questions just through your experience you know, of what you've yeah. gone through? Mm-hmm. Yes, just through just through uh, instinct and the guidance, of, you know, that I had along the way in, in drafting the book, um, you know, whether you call it spiritual guidance or from the universe, and just, you know, the intuition in my heart and what seemed also very logical and a rational uh, path to, to liberation. And, and that's really what I wanted to create to you with the book, and I'm sure you, you understand this a lot. You know, we, we come up with so many excuses as to why we can't heal or change. And one of the biggest excuses is money. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to create a book that was $20 so that if someone said to me, I really want to change, but I can't afford it, that I could, with my heart, wholeheartedly, with certainty, give them a book and say, "You please buy a notebook. And if you answer every question and do every practice, you will completely change your life. But yes. nobody can do it for you. And even if you can't afford a session or a workshop or a retreat, this, you know, and, and I give, I, I've given away hundreds and hundreds of books just saying that to people. Because, you know, someone will say, I don't know, I can't even afford the $20. Well, I say, okay, here's the book. Just go home and do it. You know, and people's mm-hmm. eyes, you know, light up like, oh, my God, there's no obstacles here. But then, <laughs> you know, sometimes the person does it. And then sometimes it's just the, all the excuses and limiting beliefs come up and that's because they're just, it's just so ingrained and it's not, there's no judgment in it. It just is. But, you know, I believe you get a choice in life between respecting yourself or feeling sorry for yourself and you can't have both. And if you want to respect yourself then you have to take responsibility and there are ways that are practical that are not expensive um, and, and typically like we, you know, you, like you, you pointed to that question, you know, like when is enough enough? When have I finally suffered enough? And for me and for most people, it's not until the pain is so bad that we are on our knees, you know, we are brought to our knees and in surrender. And, and that's when the ego cracks and our stubbornness cracks and our pride cracks. And finally, we, we're so frustrated. We're suffering so much. The pressure is so much that like, you know, that barrier explodes because we can't contain it anymore. We can't be in this lie or this pain or this victim mentality anymore. And then that's when the energy, like, you know, breaks through and we, we realize we have to do something. We don't necessarily know what sometimes, but we just start to look. And then, you know, the energy starts to move and, and slowly we start to work through those blocks because we know that we can't go back to that type of pain. I don't want to, you know, I don't, who wants to be in that severe pain and suffering you know nobody but often it has to just get that bad to where you know your typical your your, you know those habits you have every day that kind of get you through and numb you out a little bit or distract you eventually they stop working you know like Mm -hmm. the the bottle of wine at night you know the drink at night or the eating the pack of the extra pack of chips or the um 
you know, the, you know, you know, overeating, whatever it is that you do to numb out, um, it eventually stops working and the frustration builds and the pain builds. And then you realize this is, I have to make a change. This is a point where a lot of people commit suicide um, or, you know, go fall into serious addiction. And a lot of times we feel so disconnected that we don't have anybody to talk to. Nobody understands it. Nobody gets it. But we don't realize that we are not seeking out the help and we're not being honest and vulnerable. We're, we're holding it all in because we believe that's how we're supposed to live because that's what we've learned. Um, and again, so it's not about judgment. It's just about understanding objectively what's going on. And that if you do choose to heal the universe, if you open and you, and you set that intention, the universe will bring you the people, the opportunities, mm-hmm. the radio show, the book, you know, the event, whatever it is that you need. Cause life wants you to be well, life wants yeah. you to be happy, you know? Absolutely. And I, you know, people, sometimes when you, when you, in, in, in session talking with someone, you can tell they do not want to do what you're suggesting. Well, they're not at that pivot point yet. They, and you right. just know in your heart and your heart goes out to them because you think they're going to have to suffer a little bit more. This is really awful, but they're going, until they get to that pivot point where the pain is so crucial that, you know, they, they will be able to read through a book instead of saying, eh, it just doesn't resonate with me. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to read it. Okay. All right. They're not ready yet. And if they're not ready yet, you can't force it because they won't get what they need to get. But with your no. book, it allows the person to, to answer the questions without putting their heart out there or feeling like they're being judged. And I will say this, if, if anybody's in therapy with anyone and, and you feel like the person's judging you, you're with the wrong therapist. You're with the very yes. wrong therapist. You need to be with somebody who doesn't judge you because none of us should be judging anyone about anything. They're, you know, right. they're, everybody has their own journey, and we don't know why people are doing things, and it's not up to us to make a decision. You, you know, we're not the creator. So we create our own lives, but it's not up to us to, to point a finger at anybody else and, and see what the matter is. So when you go through this book, it's a way of doing the self-process. And just maybe I'm thinking if someone went through this book and did all the questions, they would be able to then seek out the help they need because they've already done part of the work and they could see, especially when you right. get to the chapter on forgiveness. I mean, there were, I think, six chapters that were my favorite. Six, six. I couldn't pick one. I had to pick six. <laughs> and they, they were all in a row from page 110 to page 147. You know, forgive yourself and your past now. Most of it was about forgiveness. Forgive others and move on with your life because people think when you forgive, you're condoning. You're absolutely not. You're not condoning at all. It's mm. for you to move on. Um, you know, and just some of these some of the things follow your your big beautiful heart. Nobody ever wants to do that. There's too much fear about that. And you know, one of the things that you said in your book, I think it was John Burroughs that says, uh, "Leap, the net will appear." I love that. I love that mm. because you do have to take the leap. You have to have the faith. And I think the last the last chapter, which was one of the ones that I truly loved, was about you know faith. Rediscover your faith and trust. Those are hard for people to do, but if you read the book and you do the questions and the processes, it's not hard, but it is work. And we can't expect to things just to be given to us. We do have to make the effort. And I think sometimes people just want the answers, you know? I think too, yeah. And, and you know, for those listening, um, it, to, in my experience, it's it becomes about just being honest with ourselves and being able to be present and breathe and make space inside of ourselves for the contra, the contradicting feelings. You know, sometimes you love someone, but you're, you doubt the relationship or you love certain aspects of your job, but you question it, you know, and, and we tend to vacillate and kind of swing from one, like I'm going to leave or from the other side, I'm going to stay. And instead of being able to just sit in the middle and be like, okay, I've got these mixed feelings. And, and then if you go deeper, you find that there will be this guidance that kicks in, this wisdom that knows what feels good for you. But then you have all the fear come up to justify why you, you shouldn't speak or act based on what you're, you're really feeling. And so a lot of it comes down to just awareness, to, to perspective, you know, just having, the, I guess, the clearest perspective possible on, you know, what's going on and, and, and what's unfolding and how you've created your suffering and how you continue to create your suffering and what you need to do to stop it. 
and and for the most part, T, as I'm sure you know, most of it comes back to speaking and acting based on your truth in the present moment, which is done saying, I feel this, I need this, I want this, this is how I feel about this situation in a nonviolent way where you're not blaming or attacking, but just taking responsibility for your thoughts and emotions in the present moment. And when we don't speak and act based on that truth, that's where we set in motion the things that cause us harm. So when we don't say what we really feel, we repress those emotions, which become energy blocks and then blood blocks and cellular buildup and toxic buildup in the body, which leads to depression and disease and physical pain. And the same is like if you want to go after something or you want to go study something or you want to tell someone you love them, if there's some action you want to take that you stop yourself from doing because of fear, always coming back to fear, then when you're not taking action and you're not moving your body and your blood and your energy in the direction of your truth, then that also literally stifles the energy, the blood, and the, the emotion in your body, which then again leads to sadness, pain, and, and disease. So a lot of it comes back to just being yourself, which is being true to yourself with every word and every action in every moment of every day, even when you're scared. So it's not that you pretend you're not scared. It's just that you learn to be true to yourself even when you are scared. And that really is the, the, one of the ultimate challenges. And it's the key to forgiving ourselves, to accepting ourselves, to being ourselves, to loving ourselves. And it's what we haven't been able to do, you know, 100% up until now. You know, maybe it started at 50%, we were true to ourselves, then it progressed to 70%, and 80%, 90%. And now maybe we're at 95%, but we still want to get to 100, where in every moment of every day, we're speaking and acting in alignment with what we really feel is you know, who we are, why we came here, and what feels good to us in the moment instead of people-pleasing or living in fear. And I think one of the fears is, when, especially when you say people-pleasing, is people don't know how to say no. They say yes to everything, and then they're overwhelmed and feel resentment, and now they're not happy, and they're judging and comparing, and, and they're upset, and they start to get, you know, illnesses. One of the things that when, when you're going through this is to know that, yes, you want, you know, if you leap, the net will appear. However, we need to make informed decisions. So you need to take action by using your filter, by in certain instances, making sure that you look under every stone, leave no stone unturned and make sure that you know in your heart, if you come from your heart rather than your head, that's always going to serve you better. You will always serve yourself much better if you come from your heart you have to do the work from your head in some instances you have to know that okay how is this going to pan out if i do this this or this how will it affect the other people who will be hurt the most or who will be you know uh will receive the most and how will it affect me and my family whatever the situation is you don't just leap you use your filter when you're talking to people and you always carry that awareness that okay i might disagree but there's a way to say it without putting harming anyone or putting any hurt on anyone or blaming casting blame because i see that a lot people just blurt things out and say things without thinking or finding out the other information and you know that's part of it too we're all in this together we have to work together as a team and you can't work together as a team if somebody's constantly just cutting you off at the path and, and saying okay well this is the way it's going to be and they don't have the whole story do you am, am i articulating right. this properly <laughs> Yes, of course. I, I totally agree. I mean, we have to, I think it's really important to be able to, you know, express yourself kindly and respectfully instead of creating more pain and more distance. And it is, it is very wise to do your research because it makes you feel better about taking certain steps. You know, like if you want to go study, you're interested in studying something, then it's wise to go online and read about, you know, what it entails. And if you can't afford it, what loans entail and you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just about taking those little steps and that's just following your heart. It's like, you know, it's like you want to go in the, in the ocean and you're not sure of the temperature you got to, you know, it's good to put your foot in and, and feel it out, you know, and, and get a sense for it. And, um, you know, and in, in the end, everything's going to be okay, no matter what. And, you know, I think T, you know, the, the, the missing key to, to this faith and this trust that no matter what, we're facing right now, whether it's a relationship or a job situation or our health 
whatever it is that, you know, we're having trouble trusting and having faith in ourselves or the universe, the key to understand is that if you, if anybody who listens is, thinks about how old they are and they think about, you know, how many um, years you've been alive and then you break that down that in that, in those years you've been alive for, you know, 12 months in each year and four weeks in each month, you know, and if you start to break down all that time, I've, I've done the math recently and, and someone who's 40 years old who sleeps eight hours a day. So you're awake 16 hours. So 40 years times, um, you know, 16 hours a day, um, and where every minute is a moment where you're either being true to yourself or not being true to yourself, the figure is 840 million moments. So someone who's 40 years old has been awake, so not asleep, but awake and alive for 840 million moments. So, you know, we're close to a billion moments. If you're over, let's say 45, you're over a billion moments of life where you've either been true to yourself or not, loved yourself or not, been honest or not, been able to articulate yourself or not. And the scales for all of us tip in the direction of not being true to ourselves. And what that means is that that many times, that many days, you know, that many moments of that many hours of that many days of that many weeks of that many months of that many years, we have betrayed ourselves. And if our relationship to ourself determines the relationship we have to the outer world. So basically I perceive the universe or God or life in the same way I perceive myself. So if I don't trust myself because I've, I've betrayed myself, I've been my own worst enemy, my own worst critic, my own worst sabotage, you know, all those things. I have, and most of us have not been our own best friend for all those years and all those moments. Then we project that distrust onto life and that lack of faith. You know what? I don't have faith in life. I don't have faith in God. I don't have faith in the universe because in the past I have let myself down. I am mm-hmm. disappointed in myself, and I know that I can't expect myself to find the courage or the strength to be honest, even when I'm scared. And we know that, which is why we don't believe in ourselves. And that's really the root cause of all self-esteem issues and self-confidence issues, as well as not having faith or trust in God, the divine, the universe. So when you begin today, when we begin today in the present to speak and act based on our truth, even when we're scared, we start to build trust again in ourselves. And that trust in ourselves becomes direct trust in life and the universe. And it becomes a snowball effect until you trust yourself so much that you're taking those leaps because you know that you can't go back to that other way of life till now. So I can't go back. I can only go forward. And this is the leap I feel I need to take. And like you said, the first leap is to say, you know what, this is what I feel. I'm not happy. That's, a, that's the first leap. I right. don't love you anymore. I had an affair. I don't believe you. I'm not happy in this job. I don't feel well. That's a leap. That's the first leap. Going to a gym or a yoga class or getting a smoothie or buying yourself some vitamins, you know, that's a leap. Those are the first leaps. And then those leaps become bigger leaps. It's just like you, don't, you can't even crawl. You're just laying in a, in a cot when you're first born, but eventually you crawl and then eventually you right. stand on things and then you walk and then you run and then maybe you become an Olympic athlete. And it's the same process with the leap. You know, we have to start with our baby steps, you know, and that's and you too, know, like doing your research. That's right. And the, the, the one thing to think I, I, I believe is that the only constant is change and change is a choice. So go ahead and make it a good one, but make it a well-informed one, and you can change anything. And I can't believe that we're almost at the top of the hour, Blake, but before we go, I'd really like you to tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, You Were Not Born to Suffer. Um, well, thank you, T. The book is on Amazon, so you can just Google You Were Not Born to Suffer, or you can Google my name, Blake Bauer. They both come up, I believe, as the top um, hits. My website is unconditional-selflove.com. Again, that will come up as a top hit if you Google my name or the the title of the book. Um, I'm in Los Angeles at the moment for the Conscious Living Expo weekend um, for for three days. 
And then I'm really excited about a weekend retreat that I'm holding uh, and hosting um, March 4th to the 6th. And that's in Colorado at the Shambhala Mountain Center, which is a beautiful Buddhist retreat center. Um, a few, like two, I think it's about two hours from Denver, uh, you know, out in the middle of nature, beautiful place with, like, you know, healthy food and vegetarian food and just absolutely beautiful. I'm not a Buddhist, you know, for anybody who's listening. So if you, you're interested, you don't have to be a Buddhist to come, but it is a mm-hmm. very special Buddhist retreat center and, and a beautiful place. Um, so that's a way if, you know, you resonate and you want to come spend some time in person with some other kindred spirits and like-minded mm-hmm. souls. Um, and, um, that's about it for right now. Then I'm off to London for a while and then to Australia. So, um, wow, you certainly yeah. get all over the place. And, and, you know, I just thank you so much for taking time to join us here at energy awareness radio this evening. I, I, I think there was a lot to discuss here and there's a lot more to discuss, but you know, in the meantime, people, you were not born to suffer Blake Bauer, B A U E R. Check it out on Amazon or your local bookstore. It's a wonderful book. It's a great place to start, to make change, to, to shift your life and, and get control, get back in control. Thank you so much, Blake. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you, T. It was lovely. Thank you. I just hope it was helpful for your listeners. I'm sure it was, you know. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthily, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is love and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio for more information about me please visit my website quantumwellness.org you'll find an archive list of past shows the lineup for upcoming shows as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head I got a warm place to sleep So that's all I will wake up Instead of counting When I remember how
It's not a hand. 